Hello there, everybody, and welcome to uh, the Manchester is Red podcast, brought to you by the Manchester Evening News. My name is Daniel Murphy. Hope you all had a very Merry Christmas. Remembered it this time, and I hope you have a very happy New Year. Uh, joining me on this uh, in the middle ground between Christmas and New Year, we're not. We have no idea what day it is, no idea what's co- happening, what's coming or going. But one thing you can rely on is the Manchester is Red podcast. And joining me as ever is Mr. Samuel Lucas. Samuel, how are you doing? I'm not bad, thank you, Dan. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Getting by. I've, I've had to. I've been kicked out of the house to do this podcast because of the plumber in making a lot of racket right next to where I would be recording. So I'm currently in the garden, the garden shed. But hopefully, hopefully the internet holds up and uh, we'll get by. We'll get by indeed. And also join us today, fresh from, back from his trip to Newcastle on Monday evening, is Mr. Tyrone Marshall. Ty- Tyrone, how's it going? Very well, thank you, Daniel. Very well, enjoying mm. this dead time between Christmas and, and New Year, and having chocolate for mm. breakfast and, and pigs in blankets for lunch. It's uh, the way you've got to roll, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely, and don't forget the cheese. Absolute uh, crucial, <laughs> crucial part of the Christmas feasting. But you know, we have to. All festivities aside, we have to go to the piece of coal in the stocking that was Manchester United one, <laughs> Newcastle United one on Monday. You know, United fans and players and everyone involved, journalists too. We were waiting two weeks for United to get back into action. And I'm sure plenty of fans were, were wishing it would be two weeks longer and didn't kind of ruin the festivities. But Tyrone, you were up at St. James's parties today. 1-1. It shouldn't have been. Newcastle should have won and would have done if it were for David De Gea and Jacob Murphy hitting the post. But, wow, um, that's, you know, that was some adject performance. Yeah, it was. It was just massively, massively disappointing after 16 days without a game. Um, Ranić didn't use the COVID excuse afterwards. Fair play to him for that. He, he was actually very honest post game. I thought about the performance. Like you say, they they were lucky to get a draw. They didn't deserve a draw. They had maybe three chances in that game, or from Cavani. Newcastle had plenty. It was a phenomenal save from De Gea at the end. The ones he'd made before that probably saves you'd expect him to make. The save at the end was brilliant. But it was a, it was a performance that reminded me of the word the, the the darkest days of the Solskjaer era. Really, probably not quite as as catastrophic as as some of them, but it had the same sort of flaws, just an absent midfield, an error-strewn defence, no structural coherence in attack whatsoever. And it was just, to, to watch that was just, you know, the, the, this team are just so confusing at the moment. They're just, they're so much less than the sum of their parts. It It's quite frightening. Um, I thought Gary Neville's comments at half-time were, were pretty much spot on, to be honest. The attitude stinks at times amongst some of the players. Um, the, the reaction to going 1-0 down I thought was terrible. It was always going to be the case that after 16 days of that game that there might have been a bit of ring rust. Newcastle, it was a huge game at home, bank holiday, two days after Christmas. Most of the Gallagate will have been on the big market all day. It was inevitably going to be a big atmosphere to start with and United had to, to get through that and they didn't. They started poorly and the reaction in the rest of the first half to going behind was was terrible. The body language was poor. Passes were going astray. Players were just moaning at each other. They looked like a team with no spirit whatsoever. There's more spirit between England's batsmen and bowlers in Australia than, than that team when things are going wrong. <laughs> too, soon, just, too soon. <laughs> they just, you know, it was, it was just, you know, I mean, Newcastle have won once in 19 games in the Premier League this season. They're, they're an abject team at the moment. They were missing a lot of first-team players last night. They had players go off injured and they were the better team from minute one to minute 90, really. And I think it was probably an eye-opener for, for Ralph Ranić at how much work there is to do. Those players should be, as a, as a collective unit, they should be so much better than that. 
but mm-hmm. they're not. And it was just another, in a season of them, it was just another really disappointing performance. And they're winning, I think they've won seven times now since that win at West Ham, which was more than three months ago. You know, they're winning less than 50% of the time. And it's, it, it is concerning. It is really concerning the performances at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I think I mentioned in our last episode when we looked at the Newcastle game, how even though they got battered by City Newcastle, they were quite brave even when still 3-0 down. They still went at him and Joe Ellington, I don't know what's happened there, but mm-hmm. he was um, you know, a clogger of a striker from Hoffenheim who'd scored twice or something and now he's the most dynamic, um, dominating midfielder in the Premier League apparently. Um, he absolutely, I thought he really exposed kind of the two of Fred and McTominay, you know, we're in that same, seems like we're in like an infinite loop of just complaining about those two and by one good game one day and then it just goes back to normal the game mm-hmm. after. But again, St. Maximan had the absolute running of uh, Maguire and Dallow and whatnot until he went off and Samuel, yeah, we just, they were, they were all over the show Newcastle. I was saying, sorry, United were all over the show, Newcastle were kind of doing it to them. I was saying like, and against City, they had that, but City were just too good for them. They, they rode the storm a bit, braved it out, and then could easily just cut through and score, whereas United just had none of it. So what did you kind of make of the, the display? Well, as I said, I, I wasn't there. Well, I haven't said I, I wasn't there because unfortunately I got I got COVID last week and I'm still testing positive. Although I feel completely fine, which I'm sure will um, uh, not come as happy news to some people out there. But nevertheless, <laughs> uh, it, it panned out exactly as I expected it to really um i was speaking to our colleague dom before the game and he just said i can't see united slipping up here whatsoever uh whereas i said i, I think this is i think this could be quite tight and and far from a breeze and it's it's just when you just assess the occasion of it um an evening kickoff day after boxing day um everyone's in a you know buoyant mood um st james's park newcastle fans uh, you know memories of those games in the 90s you know it's, it's kind of nonsense really but it can certainly lift a crowd and newcastle fed off the crowd the crowd fed off the players and united just didn't match them for aggression whatsoever 20 years years ago you had a united captain literally trying to fight the newcastle captain in front of the gallagher end now you've got two midfielders who get bulldozed by Joe Linton, um, who, who also nutmegs Marcus Rashford towards the end of the first half and and ends up, I think, with the Man of the Match award. But when you just look at that Newcastle attack, they're, they're pretty mercurial forwards who have got it in them to to harm teams. So Maxman has done it to um, some, some elite teams in the past. Uh, Ch- Chelsea is, is, is one that springs to mind when I think Newcastle beat them 1-0 under Steve Bruce. So he's he's clearly capable of, of of harming teams. He's he's got it in his locker, and for Eddie Howe, if he wanted to do an impromptu team talk when the team sheets dropped, it was pretty simple. Um, it was a case of the fullbacks are the backup. One of the centre backs has been a walking disaster all season. The other centre back has only just come back from injury, and United really did look like that. Um, the, the full-backs, you, you're inclined to be a bit more lenient on, even though I thought Dallow's crossing in particular in the first half was dreadful. Uh, but but and, and Tellez wasn't really quite aggressive enough. And you've got the mitigation of the 16-day gap and the fact that a lot of those players would have contracted COVID. But with the way United played this season, those are not excuses. And and Rangnick was quite quite right not to cite those as excuses. I thought it was quite telling that Maguire 
did actually cite it as an excuse. When you look at the way United have played this season, it, it, you can't keep on reaching for that. Ultimately, it's you know it, it boils down to a lot of things, but in essence, the, the recruitment under Solskjaer was not as good as they thought it was. A lot of those players who at one point or another were good signings, now you can't say that about them. And there's an individual aspect about this United team that makes it very, very difficult for them to gel in, in attack. And I'm, I'm not I'm not putting that down to the Ronaldo factor whatsoever. I think the whole thing about body language has been overplayed a little bit, but that's I suppose that the, the fault lies there with... Uh, with Rangnick because he's brought that to everyone's attention. But Rashford's body language was concerning the coaches before the, the coaches left, effectively. Um, Fernandez has always been a narky player since he came to, to United. And there's nobody there with the personality or the presence to tell him to shut up. Y- your passing's dreadful. Concentrate on your own game. Nobody puts him in his box. Um, even last season, when there, there were no crowds at games, I think there was maybe one occasion where a player properly scolded the teammate, and that was Maguire with Fred at Leeds when he called him an effing idiot. Everyone could hear it. Um, but that aggression just is completely lacking. And OK, it might not necessarily win you football matches, but the way United are playing, they need that. They, they need to channel that into their game because there's not a lot else going for it at the moment. And with Ronaldo going down the tunnel, which again, I, I think was just a subplot from Gary Neville that's pretty pointless... He's he's kind of earned that slack to be that way. He, he does not he doesn't like not winning whatsoever. With Rashford and Fernandez, they have not earned that slack. Fernandez was still at Sporting Lisbon this time two years ago. Rashford has had an Anas Horribilis, um, and I, I, it was just pretty staggering, really, that both of those players completed the full ninety minutes again. The, the pattern really continued, whereby the first attacking change that Rangnick made. Uh, the, the player he, he elected to take off was probably the most um, probably most unfortunate to come off. Really, I thought Greenwood was was maybe the only mature of the front four in the first half last night. Yet he was the one who was brought off after the coach had said beforehand that he deserved to play. Uh, Rashford hasn't been deserving of starts recently. Neither has Fernandez. Yet they are still both seeing out games to to the you know to general disbelief. Yeah, definitely. We'll definitely come on to both Fernandez and Rashford momentarily. I think I think it was on Twitter you made a point, Samuel, and I might be paraphrasing you a bit, but you're saying like during the lockdown, it was kind of a false image of United because they didn't have any pressure on them and yeah. no crowds, of course. Yeah. I know that fans are back in, they kind of wilted straight away. Um, we'd like to expand on that and how much of an impact it has kind of made the crowds coming back. You know, most, most fans, uh, most clubs have benefited from it, but for United, it seems to have kind of um, impacted them poorly. I just thought that making a big decision like giving a manager a three-year contract on the back of a season where Liverpool lost to Burnley, Brighton, Everton and Fulham at home was an an illusion, really. That that, that was just such a false finish that United had last season. If you played that season in a parallel universe where there's no pandemic and supporters are present, United are guaranteed to not finish in that top two. I know there's no way of proving that, obviously, but... There's no way Liverpool, I know Liverpool added some some major injuries to contend with as well, but I still don't think their home form would have fallen off a cliff quite like it did. And because United, I suppose, in that first first full season under Solskjaer, in the first half of it, there were some turbulent times. That January, um, where, where the pandemic really started to 
you know, spiral really in China. You had the four defeats um, in, in that month, home defeats to Burnley, 3-0 down at home to uh, City at halftime. The Liverpool game where Liverpool fans believed that they were genuinely going to win the league. Uh, I think that year started with a very supine defeat uh, at Arsenal. The mood was not good. Ed Woodward's house was under attack by some militants. And so I think it genuinely suited them, even though their form did pick up and you had the the zenith of Solskjaer's tenure, I suppose, with that McTominay goal in the derby uh, in added time in front of the Stretford end. But I still think they clearly... I mean, the, the fact, the evidence is there. They benefited without crowds there. And last season was not a reliable gauge of where most teams were at. Sheffield United got relegated when the season before that Bramall Lane was one of the best, probably the best atmosphere in the Premier League. Um, just again, it's it's a breath of fresh air when a, a club comes back to the top flight that hasn't been there for a long time. And and Bramall Lane was quite an intimidating place for clubs to go to. And United ended up two 0 down there um, with with seventy odd minutes, sorry, seventy odd minutes on the clock. And I, I just think apart from City, and you can, you know, you've got the open goal there, of course. You know, it's a true gauge of City because they're used to playing in front of empty stands and blah, blah, blah. But in all seriousness, they have got the quality to perform, whatever the weather, whatever the attendance. With United, they are clearly a very, very brittle side. And yesteryear, the acid test for them was going to Galatasaray away or the Camp Nou or the tunnel in Highbury. Now, they struggle to cope at St James's Park against a Newcastle team who probably after United scored, showed just how, how bad a side they are. But United just struggled to find a coherent way around them. And in the end, they were very, very fortunate just to take a draw from it. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Tyrone, we kind of discussed on the last episode about maybe Ranić will stick with most of the players since he's had that kind of 16-day gap. Players who played poor against Norwich maybe had a bit of breathing room not to get dropped straight away. I think only Oliver Ran and Greenwood came in. But... Um, it seems again. It seems strange that now after this game, Fernandez and Rashford, especially, and maybe some others, Maguire as well. I know he's the captain, but his form has been dreadful. Maybe it's, do we see in two days' time against Burnley finally some major changes to this team and maybe some kind of feathers ruffled? Like Ranić's spoken a good game of, um, you know, giving everyone a chance, and those players who don't want to play for the club will be gone and stuff. He's kind of cut an impressive figure but mm. with his team selections and his substitutions I mean for the Newcastle game I thought it was strange that Sancho was the one to come out um, and then as we said as Samuel said there Greenwood coming off seemed like the wrong choice as well so w- is this now the time where Rangnick can kind of rule with a bit more of an iron fist? Yeah, I mean you would hope so at, at the moment it feels like the reality is that the the players that were undroppable under Solskjaer are still undroppable under Rangnick and um, it does feel like he needs to do something to try and impose his authority on this team. Um, Fernandez was really poor again last night. Rashford has been poor for a, a long time now. He, he came back into the team and after that, after his shoulder surgery, was excellent coming off the bench against Leicester, scored three in his first four, has done very little since then. The last, the, all the games, the three starts under Ranić, I think he's been really poor in all of them. And I don't know how he's still starting and playing. 90 minutes. I think he survived and played the full 90 against Norwich, played the full 90 last night. It's mystifying how that's happening, to be honest. Um, but it does feel like these players are are undroppable. I guess the thing you get with Fernandez is when he, he played a part in the goal, it was it was a decent ball to Dallow, but it wasn't a particularly 
difficult ball. It was a difficult ball in the context of United's passing from midfield, probably. But for most Premier League players, it it wasn't a difficult ball. But Fernandez has always been a high risk, high reward player. But it's the risks that are winning at the moment, and he gets in this frame of mind where if things don't come off from early early in a game, he tries harder and harder takes on more and more adventurous passes, loses the ball more often, becomes more frustrated. It all plays into this Neville idea of, of whinge bags. You can see him getting annoyed and frustrated at his own performance, at that of other players. And it, you know, it does feel like there needs to be some changes. I mean, I can't see how Rashford can keep starting at the moment. He's just, he's so, he's, he's so far off his game and has been for a long time now. This isn't a recent thing. The, you know, the Mirage was his form on his return from injury. There was, and you know, I, I said this as well and hope that, his, that that injury was the first proper rest for him since he was 18, really, and it would do him some good and it looked like it had done. But a couple of bad games again and he tends to get, in recent years, Rashford's been getting in these troughs that are really hard to come out of. Everyone, every player goes through spells of good and bad form, but Rashford seems to plummet really quickly and then he just can't get out of it for a long time. And at the moment, he's at that level of rock bottom and he can't seem to get out of it. So it does feel like like changes are needed. Um, I think it would show a bit of authority if if Ranić did it. I think we're all impressed by, by Ranić. He talks a really good game. He was very honest again in the press conference last night. You can't imagine, you can never have imagined Solskjaer saying that about a United team, about how disappointed he was with the performance, about clearly identifying the problems. Um, he talks a great game. He clearly understands the game brilliantly but it does it, it feels like these players need maybe a kick up the backside or a bit of authority and at the end of the day Randick has coached one top flight team in 10 years I think and there could be an element of them looking around thinking you know he talks a good game to to the press but what they're seeing is he's on the training ground and in matches and he needs to earn their respect and one way to do it is to start making some difficult decisions and and drop some players and the whole you know Sammy's right that the the clapping fans thing is is obviously not the main issue. And we know Ronaldo Belly does it when United win. He likes to get back down the tunnel and start his pre-match and everyone's in a routine. But you know, it's it's an easy win in a way and it's a respectful thing to do. And there's a lot of managers who would stand there and, and point to players and say, look, it's a it's two days after Christmas, it's an eight PM kickoff. All these fans have travelled up to Newcastle, worst away end in the country, and have given you good support. You've played terribly, go and clap them. But there was no one there doing that. A lot of them went because Cavani went straight away and a few got to the tunnel and realised and had to go. Rashford, you know, Rashford's a Manchester born United fan. He was head down straight down the tunnel. Never even glanced at the away end. It's, you know, it, it's just, it's it's inexcusable, really. I know it's irrelevant. You're not going to win points for it, but just just clap the fans. It, it feels like it plays into this whole idea of it being a team that aren't connected. You know, I, I said last night, they feel, in a way, they feel like an unlikable team at, at times because there's not, they don't have the traits of, you know, they're not they're not fighting together. They don't feel like they're in it together. Their heads drop too easily. There's a lot of traits in that team that it feels like they need their heads knocking together and it needs a really authoritative figure to do it. Ranjit can be that man, but he needs to, he's not come in with, you know, if Conte had come in, he comes in with immediate respect of, of what he's yeah. achieved in recent years. Ranjit doesn't have that. He's managed once in 10 years. We all know he's done a great job behind the scenes at Red Bull. We know he sees the game brilliantly. But players, players don't think like us, and he needs to, you know, there, there could be a degree that he doesn't have the authority that those players need, and it does feel like they need a really authoritative figure just to start knocking some heads together. Mm -hmm. If you want authority, I just have two words for you, and they are Big Sam 
But <laughs> <laughs> if, we're, um, if we're being serious, <laughs> good laugh, that good laugh. A little Christmas present for me, that one. But um, if we're being serious, I mean, that just I think Conte, the point is such a good point because you know they could have had Conte, you know, they didn't people back uh, behind the scenes at United might not have liked him or whatever, and he might be a short term approach or whatever whatever excuses they kind of were kind of whittled out. But they had the chance to get Conte an elite level manager. He would have gone there because he's gone to Tottenham, which is far less uh, than United even in, in in their state. And it just kind of shows more lunacy on back in Solskjaer for the next few weeks to then just sack him anyway and get a no disrespect to Rangnick, but he's not he's not the elite level coach that Conte is. But one change Samuel will be kind of forced on him, I believe, for the Burnley game. I think Fernandez is suspended. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that could give a chance. I know you was writing about Donny van der Beek coming in because, as we said, Uraniak's kind of preached a lot about control and apart from 25 minutes against uh, Crystal Palace, he's had none of it really in his few no. games in charge so far and van der Beek could potentially be the cure of it. I feel like we just keep repeating ourselves with Donny. I don't know if he's ever going to get the chance but, again, he probably deserves it more than most because he's, you know, he's an unknown quality at this stage. Like At least we know everyone else hasn't done it so far so why not just give van der Beek a go? Well, he he would be a logical player to to put in there. I thought he'd have been a logical player to um, put on at half time last night, but he opted for Sancho and Cavani. Uh, I, I mean, I don't think many people would have guessed that double change and those two players coming on. It there, there was an element of risk with that. Uh, it did work with Cavani scoring, but again, they they, they had no control. The the defensive just just in the transitions that the, the defence was so so chaotic. I, I mean. Reminded me of our five-a-side games, but I think even we're a bit more structured than the way United were, especially for that chance, those two chances at the end where Newcastle hit the post and and De Gea made a brilliant save. But I, I thought last night he was going to you know, limit the number of changes just because it didn't make a great deal of sense to freshen up the squad too much, or sorry, the team up too much. There'd been a 16-day gap. Um, if, if you're bringing more players in, that's more players undercooked. A lot of the starters might have felt undercooked anyway. Varane certainly was. Um, but with with this game against Burnley, which is now in, in two days' time, it makes infinite sense to, to, to make more changes than just the two that were, that were done at Newcastle. I think you saw with Fernandez and Rashford when when Michael Carrick actually dropped them against Villarreal, it, it did jolt them. They both came on in that game. They did very well and they helped United win the game. And immediately they were restored to the the team at the weekend against uh, Chelsea, I think it was, and they were back in regressive mode again. Uh, Fernandez was was woeful that day. Just, I mean, people have possibly seen the tweet that Bill Rice put out on Monday night the amount of times United players lost the ball and the top two unsurprisingly were Fernandez and Rashford now although risk-taking is a huge um, element of Fernandez's game the way Rangnick wants United to play it, it completely jars with that system the way Rashford wants to play completely jars with what Rangnick wants as well I've, I've, we go back to the Europa League final and, and Fred not starting in that there are so many occasions where the best players do not make for the best team with United. And at times that fell on deaf ears with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. At the moment, as, as good a talker as Rangnick has been, he, he is contradicting himself slightly. I mean, he was talking about bad body language from the forwards on just you know, hours before kickoff last night. Yet the only player that he changed in that front four was Sancho. And 
certainly to my eye, um, against Newcastle and Crystal Palace, his, his body language certainly wasn't a problem and, and his performances weren't that problematic either. Whereas if you were to have judged Rashford, Ronaldo or Fernandez on, on body language or performance, then th- there was an issue on, on both aspects there. So coming back to the Burnley game, at least he has to make a change there and Van der Beek would be the logical one to bring in. But when he did play him against young boys, he, he played him as the sole holding midfielder. I, I, I did I did sympathise slightly with, with Van der Beek in, on that occasion because he, he was... Rangnick wasn't playing to his strengths. Um, he was he was culpable for the goal that young boys scored as well, and it's it's another kick in the teeth for him. It's another setback, but this is an opportunity to bring him into the team. You'd think that Cavani is certainly has the conditions to to start a game. I don't think he started since the Tottenham match in uh, October the thirtieth. I think it would have been so. That's that would have been two months exactly. Uh, come the Burnley game on Thursday. And I, I still think that Greenwood has to be considered as a starter. And okay, that that would that would probably be well, not probably that would be three changes to a front four, which might seem quite drastic. But I I, I just think that's that's what's needed at the moment, especially the way United have attacked or not attacked in the last couple of games. The the lack of creativity has has, has just been alarming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what you say with Van der Beek there, not young boys game, until that mistake tw- right towards the end of the half that led to that good goal, the equaliser. I actually thought Van der Beek actually was playing quite well mm. in that kind of unfamiliar mm. position. He, w- he wasn't setting the world on fire or anything like that, but he was tidy on the ball and kind of yeah. passing it out, kind of doing the role that, or at least half the role that United have been saying they want from like a new defensive midfielder. So I, it does baffle me the lack of um, chances he's had in the team of late. But you know, it was a one-one draw, Tyrone. It wasn't as disastrous as it could have been, even though we've been going on. I think going on twenty-six minutes now on of uh, the disaster, which you know, there's no, there's no denying it was an absolutely dreadful display. But there was at least two positive. Well, three. They didn't lose it, and then two. Uh, David de Gea, his, his personal fine form absolutely c- continues. Um, he, uh, as Samuel mentioned, his defending was. Uh, United's defending was all over the place at one point. I actually came into the game a bit late. I'd been out for a meal and I had to ask my mate, are United down to 10 men at one stage? Because at some point, <laughs> for some reason, there was always an extra man over on the um, on either the right or left side. It was quite mad at the, in those closing stages. You'd have thought United would have been the team pressing for the winner, not getting kind of caught out every uh, other minute. But De Gea, as we said, I thought he saved from Almiron. That one that was going for the top corner was really good. And then I can't remember who it was from, forgive me. But um, the one he made like on the line, I do not know how he kept it out, Tyrone. So great from the Gea. And as we've said, Cavani, he's back. First appearance since, I think, November 2nd against Atalanta when he came on as a sub. And once again, he's, he kind of scores when he needs um, when United need it. He's the one, the kind of clinical finisher to kind of get the goals when they are needed. It's just a shame that, you know, he's 34, 35 now. At 35 in February, I want to say. Mm. And, um, yeah. and uh, he's just too injury prone. It's a shame. Yeah, it is. I mean, to start with De Gea, he's, this is following a familiar pattern for De Gea and that United have a terrible season and, and he's brilliant and looks a shoe in for player of the season already, really. Um, like you say, the save for Almiron was brilliant. I think it was Sam Maximan, the other one you mentioned, just at the start of the second half where he clawed it away off the line. Um, and he did he did make some excellent saves. These, these seasons that United have play into his hands in a way because his strength is undoubtedly shot-stopping. And at the moment, he's getting a, a hell of a lot of shots to stop. Um, so it, it plays into his hands. It's when United are dominant and he probably needs to be more aggressive and, and play higher up the pitch and, and play a higher line that he's not 
he's not as strong, but at the moment he's he's excellent, and you dread to think where United would be without him. Cavani is a stranger. I said in a piece this afternoon, really, that every you know every away game we go to these days, you hear his chance all the time. He gets his chance gets more airtime than any other United player, bar Ronaldo. I would say I can't I can't go out with United fans where you're getting sung on the streets. So let alone yeah. in the actual stadium, yeah, yeah. he is loved. He is loved, and you know, partly it's a catchy song, but I think also he's he's a strange one because he, you know, he, he doesn't like he doesn't like to play unless he feels one hundred percent fit, and I think that can be frustrating for for managers that he won't play through the pain barrier. He's not that type of player, but when he is on the pitch, he gives you absolutely everything, and he lifts the energy of the team, and he he does feel like an antidote at times to to this team in terms of what he gives because they can look like in the first half last night they can look timid they can look placid they can look frightened and then Cavani comes on like a whirlwind gets in position to to score could have scored could have probably had a hat-trick really had the three best chances of the game and it you know it it's a shame I think it's pretty obvious he's going to go at the end of the season he needed convincing to stay at the end of last year I don't think Manchester's going to be on his list of holiday destinations when he does leave but his I think his attitude makes him loved by the fans as well as the fact he has a good song we all know that makes a difference um yeah, he does, and he—it feels like he's—he's got to be close to to starting the game. Ranić plays this front two in a four-two-two-two. Cavani certainly has the energy to to play in his system, even at thirty-four. He's he's still pretty relentless when it comes to energy. So, for me, he's he's got to be close to to starting a game, and I think at the moment he could he could definitely improve that forward line. Uh, do you agree, Samuel? Should kind of Cavani definitely come in for Burnley? I, I would start him without without doubt. Um, th- there'll be something that comes out tomorrow which adds a bit more context on his on his situation. But as, as Ty touched upon it, I think the Newcastle game was only the ninth game he's been available for all season. Uh, he doesn't particularly want to be in Manchester. Um, being frank, uh, he had a chance to be in the squad at the start of the season at Southampton. He didn't want to be in the squad. Um, going into this season until they signed Ronaldo, Cavani was due to be their their starting striker. And I think he was off for something like eight eight weeks, was it, post-Copa America? It was it was an ordinate length of time. Um so it's it's a bit of a it's a strange one in that he is you can understand why he's so adored by by the supporters because when he's actually on the pitch, his his commitment isn't in question. Um he's He's, he's intense running. Uh, he's a, he's an old-fashioned striker in a lot of ways that supporters were always going to buzz off. And I think supporters will just be grateful that they've been able to watch him play in person, given that every game he played in last season was almost every game was played without supporters present. So they've had that privilege. Um, but he, he barely strings... Four, four successive starts together. I think the most he started in, in succession is probably three games. Solskjaer pretty much said at the end of last season that he can only start one game a week. So if he's starting this week, that that's his start for you. But I still wouldn't be surprised if come match day, Cavani's not in the lineup uh, for, for whatever reason, because that's that's been an ongoing issue since, I think it was March I did the story, that he was, he was being declared fit for games by the medical staff and Cavani was declaring himself unfit for games. And it, it, it effectively became public when United listed him in the squad for the, the Milan tie. 
and then not even two hours later that to announce that he'd he'd withdrawn and, and Solskjaer didn't conceal it was Cavani who's who's making those decisions as well. So United fans have I suppose just got to enjoy him while while it lasts really and it's only going to be lasting about five more months there. Uh, it, it would be the logical decision for him to just just go at the end of the season amid all the talk about Barcelona in the new year. I, th- I think that's been posture on Barcelona's part. A lot of people still can't quite understand how they've managed to finance the Ferran Torres deal. Um, they've, they've been linked with a lot of forwards, given Sergio Aguero's just retired. So Cavani kind of, it, it was an obvious link uh, to be had there, as was the case on deadline day as well, when Ronaldo was coming in and about to take Cavani's squad number. But he does have a purpose in in that Rangnick side uh, in the front two. It, it would be just, just from a I think from a, from a spectacle, if, if if him and Ronaldo can start regularly, that's something that's going to draw crowds to games, uh, whatever the whatever the COVID rates in the country. So hopefully he does start against Burnley just just on that basis alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And as we say, Ty, Burnley is um, the fixture list has kind of been kind as it could be over the festive fixture period. They didn't take advantage of that over against Newcastle, but Burnley. Um, the only team that Newcastle have actually beaten. So even though I think they're a point um, point better off, I think they're 18th in the league. Um, again, it's a good opportunity for you and a big, a big response is needed after Newcastle. Yeah, definitely. And United should have an advantage because it feels like Burnley haven't played since 2019. So there should be a, a physical advantage there. They're clearly a better team than Burnley. But having, having mentioned the physical, Burnley are probably the most aggressive in-your-face team in the Premier League and last night Ranić made no secret of the fact that he was unhappy with the, the physicality on, on show from United so they're going to be tested I mean Burnley for, for all that they haven't played in, in a long long time I can't remember when the last game was but they they might be a little bit undercut like United were but you know with Burnley they're going to make it a miserable 90 minutes for you they're going to be in your face they're, they're going to make it just a real sort of test of character and that's where United have been been failing this year. There can be no excuse for not beating Burnley at home. But United haven't been scoring enough goals under Ranić. They haven't been creating enough chances under Ranić. So it does feel like a big game to to try and get some some forward momentum again. And the bigger the bigger picture here, it, with all the postponements and the uncertainty around who's where in the league, it, it feels like the top four race is not really taking shape at the moment. But Somehow United are below Tottenham and Arsenal when that would have seemed impossible back in September, given the start the three teams had to the season. The momentum is all with Arsenal and Tottenham and it's United. United is probably the team who cannot afford to not qualify for the Champions League next year. I mean, imagine imagine telling Ronaldo that his maybe his last season in, in elite European football might be in the Europa League. I mean, it's just unthinkable that United don't get top four. But at the moment... It's, it's looking difficult for them. They've lost momentum. Tottenham are, are going to improve and are improving under Conte. Arsenal have improved loads under Arteta, even though they still can't win big games. If they keep beating the smaller teams, that might not matter. So it does feel like a big game for United and they, they desperately need to get some, some forward momentum. Mm-hmm. Forget about the Europa League. It could even be the Conference League these days, remember? <laughs> yeah, that, no, no, that would be... Um, that would be grim. End. That would be... Yeah, that would be um, grim. Certainly one. Yeah, but um, as we kind of uh, wrap this up, Samuel, the, um, before we move on from the Newcastle game and hopefully I say Burnley will be a bit more positive. But um, just before we close here, uh, Anthony Marshall, 
uh, there's been an offer from Sevilla, but United have uh, turned it down. So why don't we, uh, why don't you kind of let, fill us in on the details there? Yes, uh, the loan offer for Martial would only have covered half of his wages. United are only prepared to let him go to a club that will pay all of his wages, which I think is about 150 grand a week. Uh, and they also want a loan fee for it as well. So it's it's quite a quite a lot of lot of money to pay for a player who's who's been out of form for 15 months, and that that is the issue that. United are going to have with with Marshall in the new year, uh, whether it's a loan deal or, I mean, it's not going to be a permanent deal, so it is just a loan deal. And I don't think there are many other clubs out there who would would be prepared to finance that kind of a package for a player who, as I said, has been out of form for 15 months. I think he's only scored eight goals in that period. Sevilla are not renowned as as big spenders um they're 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 known obviously for for monchi and the work he does in terms of scouting and recruitment and and looking for a bargain here and there marshall's probably one of the more high profile players that they're looking to bring in um in recent years certainly and if if it suits all parties then fair enough but i i I still think united and maybe it's a bit of a reach really for any club to be expected to pay all of Marshall's wages and also pay a loan fee on top of that. Um, it, it made more sense with Jesse Lingard last season because he doesn't earn as much as Marshall. Um, and the situation there was probably even more dire than, than Marshall's is at the moment uh, at United. Lingard, I think, had only started two two or three games at that, at that point. Well, Marshall's only started four games, but I, I think with Lingard, it was more a case of how his calendar year had gone Um which again, Marshall's calendar year has been pretty dreadful as well. But just just the, the context of it, I thought it just seemed like dire straits for Lingard at the time. Whereas I think there's an element of salvation there for Marshall if he if he does move clubs. But I, I don't. It doesn't make any sense for United to keep him whatsoever. I know that it doesn't make a great deal of difference in terms of um, just paying an employee who they've been playing for paying for six and a half years. Sorry, but it's not benefiting anyone him him being at the club and really it's in their interests to to get him off the books for the short term so they can get him off the books in the long term when the summer transfer window opens and there there could possibly be a buyer lurking prepared to take him off their hands for good well that's what i was just going to say surely um united will relent on that do you think because it, it gives them it makes no if you don't let him go and because actually be, as you were saying there there are there are three good clubs of here. You'd see them walking away from that deal before they kind of reach that far, I would have thought. So do you see United, it just seems of no use to United, as you say, to hold yeah. on to him, keep paying him what they were going to pay him anyway, rather than just saving half of his wages at least. And then, as you say, he goes abroad, he goes to Spain, maybe he has a good six months, and all of a sudden maybe Barcelona are interested for real or something. So surely maybe, would you see United kind of relenting on the demands or do you think they'll hold, hold fast? I think it's perfectly possible if if a club comes, say he's not gone and it's deadline day and a club says we'll pay 75% of his wages, then I think it would be logical for United to say, no, we still want you to pay you know, pay full whack for him. Um, as, as I said, it's it's in United's interest to get him off the books. He's It's pretty clear that he's not got a future there. He wasn't in the squad uh, against Newcastle. Nobody expects him to be in the squad against Newcastle either. He's been very clear that 
he doesn't want to be at United anymore. I don't think anybody has a problem with that whatsoever. It makes infinite sense for him to go in January. If United are going to be difficult about it, then they're probably going about it the wrong way. But for the time being, their bargaining position does does make some sense. But whether they can maintain that bargaining position for you know up to a month, just 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 an excessive month, remains to be seen. And and I think that would be it would be ill advised for them to take on that stance. And that's maybe where Rangnick's consultancy would have to come in and, and advise them to do like uh, to do otherwise. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, that's one we'll certainly keep an eye on in the days, weeks and months to come. And of course, we'll be having our eyes peeled, firmly peeled on the Burnley game in just two days' time. You'll be able to follow it, all the action over on Manchester News, Forest slash Man United. And of course, on Twitter at Man United MAN on our Facebook page as well. Just search for Manchester United, Manchester Evening News. And of course, um, no doubt in a few days' time in the aftermath of the Burnley game, we'll be back once again to uh, discuss it in all the gory probably or maybe even good details who knows (laughs) only time will tell but thank you very much for listening everyone and again i hope you all had a very merry christmas and have a very good new year we'll see you in i believe probably we'll probably see you in 2022 by now at a part so if not then we'll see you soon